a sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero. A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Farachi, and I am one of the co-hosts of this program. Joining me as he does every week. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm glad we've been on hiatus for a couple weeks. I'm glad this is how we're coming back. (laughs) My name is Derek, and I know we're not supposed to have interpersonal conflicts, but I really hate that Andorian. There we go. All right. That was the problem. I I had it, and I was on the wrong tab. Oh, boy. I was looking at the microphone stuff. Oh boy! All right, Derek, how you doing? I'm just well, <laughs> doing great. How are you? You're off to a rough start over here, huh? Yep. Oh boy. Um. So, uh, we are back. We took a couple of weeks off because the Marvel Cinematic Universe took a couple of weeks off. Yes. And yeah, uh, it is now back with season one of What If? And so we have come along for the ride. Yes. Uh, but that means we have some news, probably, right? We have some news to catch up on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe arm of things. We do. I only grabbed, like, the last week's worth of news. Stuff. Fair enough. I didn't want to go too far back, because it's already a lot of stuff, as right. it was. So we'll go from there. Uh, we'll start with Sam Jackson has apparently shown up for his filming in uh, Marvel's. Good for him. Yeah, so we'll see. And he's he's wearing a shirt with his face on it. Good for him. Yeah. So he about he's 95 like, years old now. Yeah. Yeah. He's old. And he said like, and he's like, I want to play, I want to play Nick Fury for another decade. And it's like, I don't think you're going to harsh. I mean, good luck, man. Harsh, harsh <laughs> like, indeed. He's old. He's been around for a long time. He is an old man. He is an older man. Yeah. He yeah. is an older man. Oh no. The yeah, cat's meowing. She's very upset by my joke. <laughs> so this week we have the cat in the room with me because uh, last episode of The Bad Batch, our Star Wars TV show podcast, the cat was going nuts in the other room. My girlfriend takes an evening walk when I'm recording this podcast, and the cat sits in front of the door and cries for his mommy. And so I'm hoping that by putting him here in the bedroom with me where I record, uh, it might be a little bit better, but so far it doesn't seem that way. Although I guess he's settling down. This is the excitement of a podcast like this, a bunch of, a, a couple of clowns getting together and talking into microphones uh, in totally non-professional settings is that you end up with some cat crying in the background. There he goes. All right. So we got old Samuel Jackson. What else we got going on? We've got old Hugh Jackman who uh, said, who shot down rumors that he'll be back as Wolverine. He said, it's not on the table. You know, what's funny. He could be lying. Like I, it could go either way. Yeah. With the with the multiverse stuff that Marvel is doing now, the door is wide open for him to show up with no, you know, no further explanation than the multiverse. Um, And he might just very well be saying that he's not going to do it so that it's a big surprise when he is, in fact, in Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. Or Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, you know, or Daredevil three or uh, I'm sorry, Deadpool three rather. Well, he might be in Deadpool three. That actually I don't know if that would even count as him you know what i mean that's an interesting because i feel like deadpool knows that he's you jackman right yes so it's he could just show up as you jackman he could i so. mean his his statement on it sounds very final because he says like you know i hold the character close to my heart but i know it's done so like it, it feels more like a thing where it's not like 
like, well, Marvel hasn't contacted me and more of a thing where he's like, I played the character for 20 years. I'm ready to move on. I'm yeah. Good you know, once this movie reminiscence bombs this summer, I think we'll see what, we'll see what he's coming, what his point this of view weekend, is going to be. Think, this it? weekend. I heard it's very bad. I, does it even count this year? Do bombs count this year? Uh, this seems like it's going to bomb, like legitimately like Snake bomb. Eye style? Yeah, like nobody's going to like it. Like it's not just going to yeah. bomb. Like so the Suicide Squad did not do well in theaters, but people liked it. It had good reviews and it had good response. But like Snake Eyes, nobody liked it. And so this, I think nobody's going to like it. Yeah. So I heard it's a piece of shit. It look, I mean, it looks weird. <laughs> I've, been, I've been back at the movies for about two months now, and it's played the trailer for this movie is played in front of every film I've seen, and it's been very yeah. irritating. So I'm, I'm rooting for the movie to come out just because I don't want to see the trailer anymore. Well, don't worry, because uh, movies aren't going to be out much longer. So, <laughs> Is that our next piece of news? Uh, no, but uh, I guess we can move it there. Venom has been moved to, to October 15th. Which yeah. seems like a date made not to happen. Yeah, it's weird. They didn't move it back far, right? They moved it back about a month because it was supposed to come out like September, I guess about three weeks or so. September 24th was the original date. And they moved it to October 15th, which is when like a bunch of other movies are also supposed to open up, which is why I feel like they're just moving it like we're going to have to move it again. Yeah, it feels that way. I have a really bad feeling that a lot of these movies aren't going to happen this fall and things are going to get real bad again. And um, it's going to, you know, I think the biggest problem is how this is going to impact our podcast, Watchmen, where we do a monthly superhero deep dive. That is uh, the biggest problem. That is the biggest, that is, I think, what most of America is concerned about is how is this going to impact Watchmen? Yes. And what will happen is that if there's no movies coming out, I think September is going to happen. I think that Shang-Chi is going to happen. I think at this point, Marvel seems to have short of states shutting down. Marvel seems to have put gone all in on Shang-Chi. Well, we'll we'll discuss that. That's coming up in the news. And um, but everything else after that, I don't I don't know. But if that does happen, I don't want people at home to be concerned about this. I know it's scary, the Delta variant. I know it's frightening. I know that the idea of breakthrough infections is frightening, but I want everybody at home to really see through a lot of the media panic. I want you to see through a lot of the fear mongering and know that no matter what happens this fall, we will have episodes of Watchmen. And in fact, we'll probably just watch old superhero movies. So you'll be okay. It will be okay. There's plenty of stuff for us to watch. There's Don't worry plenty about of old movies. Don't worry about it. I know the media is making it seem like it's catastrophic, but the truth is like- it will... 10 Batman movies and like seven <laughs> Superman movies. There will still be a Watchmen yes. uh, this, this fall. We got you. Always. Always. All right. What else we got? Uh, Marvel Studios is planning more animated series. They're like opening up an animation division more or less. Yeah. Yeah. They're going all out. Look, I'm going to say this word before this episode, before we get to the main meat of this episode, I would do want to say the animation in the show is pretty good. For the and, most part, yes. Yeah, and I mean, generally, like, and it's pretty good, and I think it's only up, it can only go up, you know what I mean? I agree. Like, I agree. Uh, so opening up an animation studio and planning more animated TV stuff is really interesting and opens up a lot of doors, um, especially if they keep it all in continuity and canon, as they seem like they want to do. Yes, I'm personally hoping that they'll uh, call up Kevin Beagle and be like, hey, let's do New Warriors as an animated series instead. There you go. Right? That would be amazing. There. It's waiting. It is waiting. waiting. So go for it. Uh, some in other news, some Spider-Man merchandise has come out, including T-shirts like Spider-Man uh, No Way Home merchandise has come out, 
including some t-shirts that are really cool looking that say, we believe Mysterio. You think they're cool looking, huh? I like them because they look like they're like homemade. And that's what I like about it. I like that. I, I kind of want to see what's happening in the movie with this imagery because yeah. I'm a little bit concerned that this feels like um, they're getting ahead of the memes. Yes, you know? it's very possible. So I'm just, you know, uh, I thought it was, it does look homemade. It does look like something that a person would make to wear to a protest or something like that. Um, so I guess we'll find out how that plays into this movie. Yeah, There's We Some Believe the- Mysterio and You Rock Peter Parker. Yeah. So there you go. And then a bunch of shirts that look like your common merchandise shirts, which are lame. Yes. You know, the basics. So you got that. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I like the idea that there that it's an argument about whether or not Mysterio is telling the truth, apparently. Yeah, that that is nice uh, that there are people wondering because uh, I guess J. Jonah Jameson is not fully trustworthy. And I guess also Mysterio seems to be a bad guy. So maybe some people are not falling for it. Yeah. As opposed to the real world where everybody just falls for whatever bullshit dumb people say on the internet. <laughs> I saw it on the TV. This is why it's good to have fantasy worlds where people don't believe everything they see on YouTube. It's yeah. nice. It's nice to, to escape into that fantasy world. Yes. It'll, it'll be exciting. Uh, moving on, film critics are upset with Disney because uh, to review Shang-Chi, you have to see it in a theater. And film critics want uh, because of Delta variants and whatnot they're like hey maybe screeners so there's a lot of arguments going on right now i'm gonna get in trouble i'm gonna get in trouble for this opinion are you ready for me to get in trouble hot take hot take Uh oh look out human torch is coming (laughs) i did i do understand where people are coming from on the delta variant uh and that is i think a reasonable concern to have But I also feel like there is a weird, it's weird to me that if you say, I do not believe it is safe to go see this movie in theaters to then review a movie that is only available in theaters. I feel like there's there's an ethical disconnect here. And I think that the strong ethical standard should be this movie is not safe to see in theaters. And therefore I will not be reviewing this movie in theaters. Now, I understand that people are going to say, well, I'm a freelancer or I need to get the clicks or the hits and I need to get paid. I get it. Like, I'm not taking that away from people. It's a difficult – this is why ethical quandaries are, in fact, quandaries because they're not easy to solve. Um, if they were easy to solve, they wouldn't be ethical quandaries and we would do the right thing all the time, no questions asked. But doing the right thing is a complicated and difficult thing. And I feel like if you believe it is too dangerous to go for you to go see the movie in a movie theater, it is probably too dangerous for you to urge other people to go see the movie in a movie theater. Doesn't that make sense? I would agree. I would agree. Um, so I do think that obviously the nature of this shit is changing. And I think that studios need to keep up with it. There are people online saying film critics have never leaked anything. That's not true. Roger Moore, not the James Bond guy, but a Fox guy, um, did in fact, leak. I think Wolverine stuff, I think the Wolverine, I think he might've leaked. Um, I I remember that leaked. I don't remember how it it was Roger Moore. Um, and, and so it has happened and it will happen because the other thing is that, um, the line of who is a film critic has become very blurry. And there are people who work for legacy publications or legacy outlets who will not spread these things. But then there are guys that have YouTube channels that 100 fucking percent will. And so I also get where the studios are coming from. Now what you have to create now is a class system and say, well, certain people we trust and certain people we don't trust. And that's fine. That's always how it works. 
but also at the same time, that's just going to make people even madder anyway. Yes. So I, I don't know, but I guess it comes down to me is that if you feel it's not safe for you to go see it in a movie theater, it is not safe for you to tell other people to go see it in a movie theater. Yeah, I agree. Part of the problem that people, that critics are having, some critics, obviously this is not every critic, is that the virtual, the junket for Shang-Chi is going to be virtual. Right. But the, the screenings will not. My theory on that is that they kind of figured out it's cheaper to do a, a virtual junket than to fly actors all around the country and stuff. Well, so, it is cheaper, but also there's there's a lot of in terms of COVID, there's a lot of pain points in getting everybody together in one location and flying all your actors and making them get on planes and making them go through airports. There's a lot of pain points there in terms of like putting people at risk, and you're putting fewer people at risk. Um, I think the studio should require proof of vaccination for screenings. That's what I think it should be. I mean, like if you want to come to my our screening, you have to have proof of vaccination. The end. Yeah. That's the whole story. If you're vaccinated, you have a ninety nine point nine percent chance of not getting Delta. Yes. Like you're pretty safe. Like all things considered, you're pretty safe. And so I, you know, I think that would probably be the way, the way to do it. I mean, keeping junkets virtual right now make a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know. I mean, it make, I think it makes sense just in general to do it virtual at this point. No, I don't think it makes sense to do it virtual in general. Having done a lot of junkets. No, part of the thing, I'm going to let everybody in on a little bit of a secret and I, this is also going to get me in trouble. (laughs) Oh, human torch is on his way back. (laughs) Here he comes again. Uh, and he's brought Toro with him this time. Uh, uh, I'm going to get in trouble because I think that a lot of, not everybody, there's a lot of good people that do junkets, but a lot of people that do junkets are like kind of like there for like meeting celebrities and like getting to feel important and stuff like that. That's part of the deal of it. And I think that just doing this shit virtually doesn't have the same pop for these people who want to take a picture with them next to the celebrity. I think just taking a picture of your Zoom screen doesn't quite have that same frisson, you know? Yeah, well, Um, fuck those people. But that's like a lot of of the people. It's not everybody. Yeah. And it's not my friends. My personal friends who are listening to this podcast is not you. But uh, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. There are a lot of people in the entertainment industry, in the inter- entertainment journalism, who are could just as happily be talking about cars if that was where all the excitement was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that they're like so driven by a love of movies. It's that this is where glamour and big attention is, yeah. and they want to be near stars. And uh, you know that's why. Here's the thing for everybody to keep in mind is that when the studios show big movies to people, they show them to the people in three waves. The first wave that sees a big movie is the junket people. They have to see it because they're going to ask questions of the cast and the crew. And so your first round of responses or reactions to a movie is usually the junket people. So very often because their whole job requires them to have access to these people, they don't want to say bad things about these movies. They, they don't want to give a bad they don't want to give a bad review. They don't want to say have a bad reaction because they don't want to sit down with the director and the director go, I saw that you hated this movie on Twitter. And then it fucks up your interview, right? Yeah. So and then to keep in the good graces of the studio, they will say, This is amazing. This is they great. Will say, they will say, uh, what's the movie? The 
you know, Hotel Transylvania 4 made me cry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the second wave are the more serious critics. And so what you'll see very often is the first wave of reactions are kind of going to be like way over the top. And then the second wave is going to come in. It's your more serious critics. They're going to be more measured. And they're also going to also sometimes be having a response to that first wave where they're going to think the first wave was over the top. And so they're going to come a little bit more negative. And then the last wave is going to be just sort of the working class critics that go to all media screenings. And they're going to have a little bit more of a measured and reasonable take at the end of the day, depending. Um, but it comes in waves that way. And the first wave is the junket people. And it's always the, the, re the reactions I, I pay the least amount of attention to. I think you uh, missed a wave. What's the other wave? You missed wave zero, which is people on the internet that just go to Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb and yes. rate a movie before they've seen it or it's come out because they don't like an actor or they do like an actor or they think there's a woman or, in it or yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, look, the junket system is corrupt. I've done a lot of junkets, man. And I can tell you for a fact, it's a corrupt system and uh, it's not a good system and it doesn't help anything. It doesn't really help anything in a really significant way. Um, I don't think it gives a lot of information. I think that making celebrities sit there while people file in and out of a room and do three three minute long video interviews with them, I don't think you're getting anything good out of that. The you know, longer interviews, you get like so. I I had the 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 privilege as my career went on to be able to sit down with people for 20, 30, 40 minutes, and you can get that's where you can begin getting good stuff out of them. Yeah. Um, but you sit down for three and a half minutes, five minutes, you're really just going like, you know, Hey, what's it like being with so-and-so? And then you're just trying to get like a two second clip. And this is how we end up with all these dumb fucking controversies, by the way, was they ask a celebrity, some kind of leading question. And then the celebrity answers and they, they trim it down to the one soundbite that will be the most clickable. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Martin Scorsese thinks that uh, Marvel studios is the work of Satan. Yes. And that's the way that that works. So I'm not con that concerned about the sanctity of the junket experience, but also the junket experience is intended to be a rubbing shoulders with celebrities experience for the people that do it. And so to do it virtually just, I think doesn't really, it isn't the same experience for them. Um, so I, I think they don't want it to be uh, virtual. Um, okay. Also a lot of them, like they get the opportunity to get, like to get flown to LA and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's but, nice. but I'm talking about from the point of view of the studio, I think oh, well, from the point of view of the sense. studio is that they get they get these pops. Virtual does make more sense. The only difference is that when you have a junket, you're also going to tie that into other photo ops or a press ops. So when they're there for the junket, that's also when they're doing like, hey, I'm John Jackson and I'm here on MTV to talk to you about my new movie, Captain Shitpants. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that, like where they shoot those things or they, they, they sit down and they do the morning DJ where they sit down and they, call into a hundred morning DJs. That's all yeah. part of the same week of stuff. They do yeah. photo ops. They go to the, they had the premiere usually is usually associated with the junket. Um, so that's the way that that works. But, but I'm talking about like, like where it's like, okay, now we're going to fly Margot Robbie and John Cena out to Chicago for, for the weekend. And then we're going to fly like LA. Sure. I imagine they'll keep doing live junkets after things calm down and we can do that kind of stuff again. No, but that stuff makes sense too, because the it? reason why, yeah, because the reason why is that you're flying them. So the, when they do a press tour like that, the reason, one of the reasons why they're doing it is to appear on local news. Um, and the idea is to have them come into the studio on good morning, Chicago, like that, that pops for your local audience. Yeah. And so there are certain yeah. cities yeah. that feel big enough. 
that Especially when John Cena shows up in costume. Right. Joe, John Cena yeah. came to Chicago. And also then John Cena goes and gets like a famous hot dog or something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. this, are, this is all part of the, the way that shit works. It's all marketing and that's the way that, that shit works. You know, obviously you don't do as many stops um, when you're a big person, but you got to go to China. You got to go scrape and bow in overseas. You got to go hit all the spots. You got to do it because you have to show the audience that they're coming to you. Yeah. And then that can, that supposedly convinces the audience to go to them, to go to the movie. So that that's why that that stuff happens. There's but, a lot of pieces that are tied into it. It isn't just doing interviews. Like, like, I just wonder if, like, in this time of Twitter and Instagram, is it as, does it work as well anymore? Like, does it still count? Does it pop? It's a great question, right? And so I think there's a lot of big questions about what marketing does and doesn't work at this point. I think there's a lot of stuff that studios are still operating on marketing concepts that are a decade old and that maybe don't work anymore. But I also think that some of the new concepts haven't really popped either. I, every, if you see a trailer and it's full of Twitter users giving quotes, you know, the movie's a piece of shit. Like a regular person knows the movie's a piece of shit. I, well, I, I, I have a theory that a regular person has never cared about reviews. <laughs> like at the end of the day, they're like, Oh, that looks fun. I'll go see it. Or they're like, no, I'm not interested. I'll wait for it. They don't care about reviews, that. but they care about when the movie, when the trailer plays and it has giant letters, that says thrilling, exciting. And that's why sometimes they'll cut but, trailers. But they're not, they're not looking for thrilling. And then underneath it, little where it's like New York post as opposed oh, to no, thrilling at butt lover. No, of know. course the thing is, oh, there's so here's the thing. So those, things they make the attributions unless it's a big name person like if it's like a really like one when when roger ebert was alive if roger ebert said it was thrilling you'd have roger ebert's name as big as the word thrilling yeah because his opinion carried weight now they make those names so small i've been quoted on tv commercials and like you have to pause the thing and then like get out a magnifying glass yeah. to see your name yeah. like yeah. uh what matters is the word uh but i think that the regular audience i think they do understand the difference between seeing what a publication name and seeing at Jimmy Jim 6969. Do you know, I think, I think they get it. Like, I think it makes sense to a regular audience. What was the movie that recently had a quote from like a critic? And then the critic was like, you cut out the first half of the sentence. So it sounds like I said something good. Well, that happens all the time. There was a really That's great, there's a really great, what was the Tom Hardy, the Tom Hardy movie where he plays the twin gangsters? I don't remember. I don't know. Um, Hold on, I gotta look this up because this is one of the great. This is, I mean, this is one of the great lawless. No, lawless. No, it's uh, no. legend. Legend. That's the movie. Uh, he plays identical twin gangsters. Uh, true story. And the Cray twins. And um, on the and there's a newspaper ad where it's like the two Tom Hardys, and like behind them is like all these four star reviews, and directly in between them is yeah, two, it's like stars. A two star. Right? But it looks like that the other two stars are behind them, but it's not. It's a two star review, and they plugged it in the space because you think that the other two stars are just hidden behind their arms. It's fucking brilliant. It's one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. I yeah. have nothing but respect for it. Um, yeah. So that's how that system works. They'll cherry pick a word out of a review, and then they'll um, they'll run it. But here's another piece of the junket thing, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So I've, d I've done a lot of junkets in my time. You see the movie, the publicist sends you an email and asks for your response, and then that's when you, as the film critic, will reply to them with the most over the top things, hoping to get quoted on the poster or on the commercial. Yeah. Well, you'll just be like, oh, I thought it was thrilling and exciting and hilarious, heartbreaking. You'll just throw all these words out there. <laughs> and then you hope that they pick you and your word to put on screen when it plays on the NBA finals. You know, and that that's it. So, yeah. And then you're like, see, Dad, I, I am important. 
exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think the junket's going to go fully virtual. I just think that the piece of it is the glamour of Hollywood. So I think that that's, that's an important piece of it. But anyway, I, you know, I, I'm not in that business anymore. So the people who have to be in that business, that's their decision to make. But I do just feel like if you don't feel that it's safe for you to go, I don't, you probably should not feel that it's safe for others to go. And maybe you should not be promoting going to the movies in this situation. Then, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's just how it feels to me. I go to the movies. I feel like it's pretty safe, more or less. And especially LA, they're about to pass a thing saying it to be vaccinated to go into a movie theater. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to feel very safe going into a movie theater. Yeah. So um, I feel safe because I live in uh, Michigan and nobody goes to the movies. You live in Michigan. Nobody fucking wears masks, I'm assuming. Uh, no, that's quite incorrect. My my town is very big on masks. Very, very big on masks. <clears throat> well, you know, the thing we, is... We it- are, except I did this today. I went for a walk and I passed by a sign that was like, like, lockdowns lo- are against freedom. Don't take don't don't take forced vaccinations. Wow. No, it was in front of a hospital. I was like, oh wow. Is- well, you know, the other thing is I feel safe also because I'm I want to die. So that's the other oh, reason yeah. why I feel comfortable going to theaters is I want to die. And so if I do in fact die, it will fulfill uh my need to end this misery and suffering. How poke that man? And by this end misery and suffering, I do of course mean the Marvel Vision podcast. <laughs> um <laughs> what else we got for news? Uh, there's a new Shang-Chi commercial. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. I'm sorry. Shang-Chi commercial where we get to see the abomination in his new look. Yes. Like, real good. And he looks straight out of the comics. Remember when straight I thought that he was uh, from the Star Jammers? Boy, that was an exciting moment when I thought they were yeah. bringing Star Jammers in. Yeah, that's too bad. But what are you going to do? The thing is, nobody cares about the abomination. I just, It's such a crazy character to bring back, but good for them. I, I mean, it's fun in that like connected universe format of things. I'm like, oh, there he is. Look at that. He's fighting. Uh, what's his name? Wong. Great. Yeah, but that's about it. Well, I guess. Yeah. I guess. You know what? We're judging the movie before. Yeah, we'll before. Maybe he's gonna fucking rule. That might. That scene might fucking rule. So for all we know, Abomination is in the rest of the movie. Who knows? But for all we know, he kills Shang Chi and gets the Ten Rings. There you go. That'd be pretty crazy. And the final bit of news, Shang-Chi will not premiere on Disney+. Plus. It will be in theaters for, for I believe, 90 days? 45, 45 days. 45, 45 days yeah. before going to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so Disney's tired of getting sued. And <laughs> yeah, yeah th- this is definitely a C. This is what we're talking about, Maneuver. <laughs> and we'll see. Oh, I, I guess, Scarlett, you wouldn't have gotten your bonus, is what this is. <laughs> or... Um, he- Kevin Feige is very upset, which is the word on the street is he's upset about Black Widow going to Disney Plus in the first place. And so they're trying to keep him happy as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there's also a an optics thing of um, making sure that your first Asian American superhero doesn't go directly to video. Um, that's an optics piece of it as well. I think the other thing is that... Um, this Especially is, where they did it with Mulan and people got upset. And then right. they did it with, what was the other one? They did, the Raya? Is that the name of it? Yeah, Raya, yeah. So yeah, they, people were like, why, why is it the Asian characters? Yeah, all the Asian films have been going direct yeah, and, to video. And Disney had to be like, no, this was just the year we decided that, okay, this year we'll do Asian, so we don't have to do it again for another decade. That's what <laughs> happened. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'll, you know, assuming the movie opens, assuming the movie opens, I will go see it in a the movie theater, so. Because again, I'm ready to die, and I want to die. 
Yes. Well, so. we'll see. It's coming soon. Coming soon. Yeah. And and they they are doubling down on it. They had uh, uh, Simon Liu trailer today. Well, the new trailer. Simon Liu went to Times Square to go see his. Um, to go see the, his giant billboard and talk about the opening date and stuff like that. So they're really sticking to the opening date as of right now. Yeah. So is that it for news? That's it for news. We got, got trivia. We do, but it closed. Hold on. Okay, here we go. Who was the first black Marvel character to get their own comic? That's for you to answer. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to think. This is a good one because this could be... Uh, I don't remember when Black Panther got his own book, so I don't know if it's Black Panther or if it's Luke Cage. Uh, I'm going to say it's one of those two, but I'll probably end up being wrong as a result. I, I, what is so it? your answer is one of those two? My answer is Black Panther. Luke Cage, 1972. Luke Cage. Yeah, okay. Black oh, Panther well. got his in 1973, Jungle there Action. He took there over a book. He took over Jungle Action. Right. Which... That's a good trivia question because those are a year apart, so that really yeah. is tricky. It isn't like one of them got a book in 1980. It's like yeah. they were a year apart in the early 70s. Yeah. Uh, what was Stan Lee's original name for Spider-Man? Speederman. Insect Man. <laughs> Peter Speederman. Peter Speederman. Insect Man. Truly yeah. a fucking loser of a name. Yes. Yes. Also, Fly Man was also considered for a while. Also trash. Yes. Uh... What was the name of Daredevil's dog sidekick? I don't know. Deuce the Devil Dog. Wow. He was a, a former police dog that became Matt Murdock's CNI dog and also fought crime for a little bit, apparently. I don't remember that character at all. Wow, this is a blind spot for me. No it's pun funny intended. In, in this book, it says Daredevil originally had a sidekick that was a CNI dog named Deuce the Devil Dog. And I was like, this is a joke. So I looked it up. He got the dog in like issue 308. So he wasn't originally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. Oh, well. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, is that it? That is it. That is it. You ready to talk about the first episode of the new Marvel Studios TV program, What If? I sure am. Let's do it. What if season one, episode one, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? And uh, so here's the thing. I think, why did my voice get so high? I think, I think, what I think is, I think if I'm not wrong, Captain Carter is a character created for a Marvel phone game. Uh, you're wrong. Really? Where, where was she created? She was in the Exiles book from like 2008, 2009, around then. Oh, was she? Yes. Oh, okay. Because somebody had told me that she was created for this. Uh, Unless that game came first, but I, I know her. That from... game introduced her about like three or four years ago. Okay. I, I know her from a comic. 
I'm trying to find out where it is. It's uh, it was like it was the point where the team was like it was her. There was like a cartoon looking Wolverine, and and she was in that. I, I'm ninety percent positive. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Exiles. Here it is. Uh, Peggy Carter is Cat America, a new Marvel comic. This is from, oh no, this is from 2018, so it's not that long. Yeah, ago, so I, I really think that it might have been like All contemporaneous. Yeah, uh, brings the Marvel Puzzle Quest version of the There we go. To the she was so created for Marvel Puzzle Quest, yeah. Okay, I thought this kind of oh. was a long, long time ago. But Boy, no, I so. liked that this segment went that way because it began with me not sure, and then it went to you researching to prove me wrong, and then only to meet your own doom. No, no, I was researching correct. to make sure I was correct. Okay, that I, I Because even as I said, I... <laughs> I believe this was before is what I said because I was not a hundred percent positive. No, she the is thing, the thing with comics and especially I find with Marvel comics is things are changing so often in their books that what happened in 2018 feels like it was 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. You yeah, know? it does. Uh, but it is interesting. This is the, as far as I know, the first character to be introduced in a video game to have sort of made the leap. To uh, movie or to both. Let um, I me mean, in Marvel. You know, to both comics yeah. and and like the the movies or the the MCU. I think so. That sounds about right. Yeah, there's a, f- a very limited number of characters that were created outside of the comics who have become mainstays in Marvel. One of those is Firestar. Yeah. She was created uh, for Spider-Man and his amazing friends because they were worried that having Spider-Man and Iceman live together was a little too gay. That's honestly the truth. They actually needed to bring in a woman because they were concerned it was too gay. And so they made up Firestar. Yeah. Um, And uh, so, you know, that's that's interesting. I think it's interesting to me is how that – how that – that – that blob that is the corporation of Marvel absorbs all the creative energy that comes up around it. It's kind of fascinating. There's, there were a bunch of characters created for an X-Men game that the, the initial idea was like, they'll become parts of the comics. And then I don't think the game did well, so they never became parts of the comics. And that, that was like, that was, I mean, they might eventually bring some of those weird characters in like, like, you know, people who grew up with these games or become fascinated by this history, bring those characters in because they're all, they're all owned by Marvel. Um, but as far as I know though, Captain Carter is the first video game character to make the jump into the MCU, um, or into any live action Marvel stuff. As far as I know, I think, I think so. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we open what if with, um, the watcher giving us a little bit of an idea of what, what if is Um, you and I are both. What if guys? Yes. I Um, I love, I love what if I love what if. Yeah. And on the DC side, Elseworlds are some of the best stuff because you can just go crazy. You're like, here you go. I think that what if is better than Elseworlds, honestly, because what if in the day, back in the day was a comic book series as opposed to like a series of graphic novels or whatever. Um, and I think that, um, well, being uh, able to do it monthly meant that they could do more weird shit. They didn't have to always have a good idea. They just had to have an idea. And well, they, not only that, but they also would do things like, I mean, like what this episode is like, what if somebody else was Captain America? No, oh, let's find out. And so they could play with like actual stories and stuff from the comics where what where Elseworlds never was like was doing that. You know, yeah, Elseworlds, Elseworlds was always is- like like was 
Batman in Victorian London, which is great. It's fun, but it wasn't like, what if Batman killed the Joker back in their first appearance? Right. That's so that's the premise of what if is not just, you know, what if Spider-Man lived on Mars, but it's more like what if this event in comic book history had turned out differently? And I would say 90% of the time, the answer was everybody dies. I mean, that's about 90% of the issues of what if is like everybody dies. Those are the ones I usually remember is a lot of death. (laughs) um so uh the 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 comic sort of has the same structure as the show which is that in the comic we begin with uatu uh the watcher who lives on the moon and he will say to us like you know everyone knows that when he first became a superhero spider-man tried to join the fantastic four and was turned away but what if he had in fact joined the team in this alternate reality, he did. And let's go look at it. Like that's like yeah. his whole shtick. And which, which uh, then led to the great Brandon Bird shirt of what if Frazier was a member of the Fantastic Four. Yes. But yeah. that is the very first issue of what if is what if Spider-Man joined Fantastic Four. Um, and that's from 1977. Is that the first issue? Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's the very first one. Yeah. Um, so and it ran for like years. It ran until 1984. They brought it back in 1989 and then it ran for about eight more years. Um, so I, you know, I, apparently I, it was, uh, Kurt Busiek was on Twitter recently talking about what if and how, what if was what Marvel used to test writers and artists. That, like makes that sense. was their, their method was like, okay, you know, we've seen some of your work. Let's see if you can do it the Marvel way. And then they like, write us a what if, and there you go. So. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, you could really go wild and people often did go wild with some of these stories. Um, so the show opens with Watu. Uh, he's very cosmic here. I really yes. like this. Very unlike what we, how we've seen the Watchers already in the in the Marvel universe. Yes, the Watchers we saw in the Marvel universe are very much like guys in big funny heads, um, like how they are in the comic. And he obviously has a big funny head too, but he has like that. He has like that eternity thing, like where he's yes. like sort of like transparent in the universes inside of him. Yeah. Um, the opening credits also sort of like go into this like fractured reality thing. That's pretty cool. And then he introduces us to an idea of what if instead of Steve Rogers becoming Captain America, it had been Peggy Carter who got the super soldier serum. And uh, I was very interested from the beginning. I was like, okay, how are they going to have that? Like what's going to be the point of divergence? Like what is going to be the thing that creates a new universe? And their answer, I thought was very dumb. Their answer. I don't think makes works. Does it? Like, I think she's like, no, I'm not going to go in that room where everybody else is. And then the guy sets off the explosive and there, and that's when the watcher is like, and that is where things go different. It's like, no, things go different when the guy sets off the bomb before they, they give the serum to, to, to Steve Rogers. Well, but she stays in the room. I think that because she stays in the main room, she doesn't see the guy when she's upstairs. I think that's what it is. I think but she sees him works. when she's downstairs. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't stop him here with the bomb. I think he, he ends up killing um, Stanley Tucci, obviously in the first Avenger, but um, the whole thing does still go on. Um, but he, yeah, he it early here. Yeah, I mean the thing is that this right. sort of like um, I don't really understand why any of this sort of happens this way, including the idea they're like once the bomb goes off and Erskine is killed and then Steve Rogers gets shot a couple times in the gut. Um, <laughs> they just leave him bleeding out for a while. They leave him bleeding out. I mean, yeah, I mean they, you kind of got to right. It's very busy. Um, 
But I, I just like, because everything happens, and at the end of the scene, he's laying there, he's like, good job. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you're dying. But there's this whole thing where they're like, okay, all this effort we put into this, if we don't do this right now, it'll never happen. And I kind of didn't understand why. Yeah, that was unclear. Because they still had the super soldier serum right there. I don't really understand. There was never a timing part to this in, in the original. Yeah, I, I mean, Erskine is still alive. The super soldier serum is still there. I think Erskine's still alive. No, right? I think Erskine's dead. Does he die in the explosion? Yeah, I guess we don't see him killed, after the explosion. So he's, he's killed, killed in the explosion, explosion, I think, is the premise. Okay. So they still have the serum. They still have the equipment. They still have Tony Stark. Stark you know, yeah. I legitimately don't know why it became what's such it, a time-sensitive issue. It's not Tony, right? It's not Tony. It's uh, uh, Howard. Howard, Howard Stark. Stark yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it became such a time-sensitive issue, but does in this. And so she jumps in because Howard Stark doesn't want to jump in. And like, well, somebody has to jump in because otherwise there's no episode. And <laughs> this so, really should have been called, what if Bradley Cooper was there when they made Captain America? Because that's... <laughs> Bradley that's Whitford. The, 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 or Bradley Whitford. That's the divergent point. Is also yes. there's this other general that's hanging this General around. Flynn hanging around being an yeah. asshole. Uh, so she jumps in because she has to, and um, she becomes a big beefy lady. Yes. Um, when uh, <laughs> her, her shoulders are too broad. When uh, my, my my girlfriend is a an athletic woman, she's a tall athletic woman, and when uh, Peggy Carter got out of the thing, she goes, "Oh no, it's me." <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. No, like in a good way Peggy Carter oh, was good. great yeah, uh, but it was just like funny she was like because oh, with her hair and everything it looks yeah. a lot like my girlfriend okay. um, I thought it was funny that people online were like why is she so broad shouldered and it's like did you see the, the movie Captain America what happens to Steve Rogers yeah like, he has a f- fundamental physical change like yeah. if that guy grows a foot and a half what is it what happens to a regular person who's not like scrawny like which yeah Watching this, I thought of something, and I don't think we talked about this during Falcon and Winter Soldier, but in Falcon and Winter Soldier, they say that the super soldier serum was changed so that you, you don't get all buff because right. they don't, you know, it's because they wanted to, hire, they want to hire actors. They didn't want yeah. to buy or hire uh, bodybuilders, right? Why didn't they just say without Vita rays, you, your body doesn't change? Because that's the shift. Yeah, that does seem like a really good explanation. That does seem like it's very right there. Fairness to everyone that worked on Falcon and Winter Soldier, it took me about a year and a half to think of that idea. (laughs) Yeah, the Vita Rays does seem like it is the reasonable piece that's missing. Yeah. Um, So Peggy Carter gets super buff, and uh, she is now uh, Captain Carter. And we kind of run through the events of Captain America, the first Avenger, at a truly breakneck pace. It, it seems like I'm not sure if they're just showing things out of time order or if they change the time order of things, because then we go and we see Red Skull getting the Tesseract, which in the movie is the opening. He gets the Tesseract before they make Captain America. Yeah, it's like the, it's the very opening of the so movie. I'm not I, really clear yeah. if that's them being like, oh, this is and then they found out later that he had that and whatnot. So, you know. Like that's yeah. not a big deal. I just wish that there had been some kind of explanation of like when that was happening. Right. I also feel like it's interesting that they go, what the Nazis in Norway and the Nazis took over Norway in 1940. So I feel like that that actually is like contemporaneous with the, the, this. I don't, I, I, I feel like this is like 1942 almost. I mean, America's in the war. So yeah. I mean, it's kind of wild to me because uh, when they go Nazis in Norway, it's like nobody bothered to look at like the Wikipedia page for German occupation of Norway. Yeah, it's like really crazy to me. Well, th- th- there's that, and at one point somebody says, "Is this thing nuclear?" And I was like, "Was that a common phrase in World War II?" No, not a common phrase at all. 
And they might have said, I don't even think they would have even said atomic at that point, to tell you the truth. Like radioactive, I could seem to say. Like, hey, well, is, they had, safe? is this thing safe to be around? I think they had the idea of atomic stuff, I think, already. Like that was a science fiction concept already. But I don't know. I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, we see the Red Skulls uh, go and get the Tesseract. We sort of like see that sequence um, happen all over again. Uh, and we, we, we get our first hint that they didn't get likeness rights for everybody. <laughs> uh, we, when, when Peggy Carter becomes, um, Captain Carter, she comes into conflict with, uh, uh Colonel Flynn, who uh, is tasked with delivering all of the misogynistic dialogue in this episode. Um, that's like, not fair that's not fair dum dum duggan has some too he does but he gets to learn flynn yes. has to be like we don't put women on the front lines they might break a nail uh yeah. all that kind of all that kind of stuff um what happens that has become bradley whitford's entire career by the way is being like an asshole guy. it's crazy it really yeah. is wild yeah although when you watch west wing he's an asshole on that show too but um he is you know what's funny he wasn't asshole. he wasn't an asshole when the show aired no well, he was, but but he's a lovable asshole, and you agree with him, so you're now okay he's with that. just an asshole. When I we 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 watched the first season recently, and he's yes. just an aggravating asshole. Yes, yeah, like like definitely watching the show. I've watched the show many. I love West Wing. I've watched him many many times, and every time I watch it, I'm like Donna, don't go with him. He like, sucks. He's a terrible person. He's he's not physically like he's he's mentally abusive to you, Donna. You should not be with that man. It's very upsetting. Um. Peggy Carter's mad about the whole thing and she's doing training. Um, she has a very different vibe than Steve Rogers did when he was Captain America and that she is like throwing weights into the wall. Yes. Um, and uh, Steve Rogers, skinny Steve Rogers shows up and um, delivers some, I, there's a couple of bits of dialogue in this episode that I truly hated. One of which is Steve Rogers saying, well, it could be worse. He could be sending you on a USO tour. Well, all you can do is smile and wear a dumb costume. And but they, they, that comes back. Because when she gets the costume, Howard Stark says, I took your the USO costume they were making for you and I made changes to it. So I feel like there's, there's supposed to be something there where they were going to do that with her and it was never said. I guess, but it just feels a little bit too on the nose for Steve's own story. It's like Steve is aware no, I, I, there's an he, alternate universe where he did that. Well, like, I, I agree in the idea that, that like he just says it randomly. It's like, right. that's, a, that's weird. But when Howard Stark then shows up later, he's like, I took the USO costume they were making for you and I changed it and I made it more useful. Well, this episode does a number of lines where characters say, boy, if this had gone different, we'd be living in a different universe. Like, yes. you know, Bucky's yeah. like, you almost tore my arm off. Like, shut up. Uh, <laughs> shut the fuck up. I always uh, wonder, what if Steve had taken that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve tells her that his best buddy, Bucky Barnes, has been deployed to Europe, and he's very nervous. He's very scared for him. And uh, so we're setting up that little bit. And but what happens is that the uh, allies learn that the Tesseract is in Hydra's hands. And so Peggy Carter is like, let's go fucking get it because we know where it's going to go. And uh, Flynn doesn't want to send in troops, but just like in the first Avenger, Peggy's going to go do her own shit. And Stark helps her out. He creates um, an outfit for her and he creates uh, the shield for her. Yes. And now uh, I have many, many questions here. Go ahead. First off, they say, again, Howard says to her, I took your USO costume and I made some modifications. 
why is the USO setting up a Captain Britain? There that is a fucking sense. sequence in this episode. <laughs> and also, why is she not called Captain Britain? There's a sequence in this episode where Flynn's on the phone with the president and he goes, yes, Mr. President, we're all very proud of her. And it's like, why are you very proud of her? She's a fucking Brit. Like yeah. she is not under your, like, I, I think that, I think that the first Avenger made it like kind of like unclear, like if she was like attached to the U.S. military, like as no, like she was a, a representative. Out. It's just so funny that this episode does not even remotely take that into account. Does not introduce a British handler for her. Like it's just like so fucking it's funny so to me. They weird. Did all of a sudden they're just through. like you're American. <laughs> like it's like what? Yeah, I don't know why they don't call her Captain Britain. I mean, I guess because they want to use Captain Britain at some point, and they thought this would be too confusing. Probably. But they don't put her in a big British outfit. But that's what you would put her in. That's the thing. That's the character in Marvel Puzzle Quest. I mean, that's what she would look like. So. Um, but uh it just it get, really annoyed me. No, it's not whole it's, it's not great. Like it's 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 a great concept, but it's just not executed properly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They don't really hit the beats properly to make because and it's so fast, they're kind of counting on you not noticing that these beats don't really work. Yeah. Um, that it's just really just the exact same thing as the other as the first Avenger, and that you're just gonna go with it, you know. Um so she goes and ambushes this Hydra uh, convoy in Berlin. She goes to Berlin, and we get a really good look at how different she is from Steve Rogers because she is unbelievably brutal. Yes. And she really holds fancy. she holds the shield by the edge. Yes. And like uses it like as a blade almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a great – the fight scenes in this episode are amazing. Well, here's the thing I think it's worth talking about is that the animation is pretty good. Like the animation like on the faces in the dramatic scenes is not that great. The mouths are weird. Yeah. The mouths are very weird. But the action stuff is fucking next it's level. Fantastic. Yeah, it's and the truly look, like the, like the, the lighting, the coloring, all of that stuff is great. It's just the mouths. So I was like they, they look weird. Yeah. Um yeah, it it does hit a good middle ground between realistic and cartoony, I think. It does a really good job of that. I think it's yeah. not trying to be too When I first saw the footage, I was like, "Oh, they're trying to be too realistic." Yeah. Um they're trying to make it look like it's a, a cartoon filter. Uh, but that's it's not that. It's it is its own thing, I I think. Is it is it, it, it it's like a slightly more realistic Disney. It's got a Disney style. thing to no. it. Yeah. It's 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 very good. Uh, her fight scene here is really incredible. She truly lets loose. And part of it is because she's a different kind of person than Steve Rogers, but part of it also is because it's animated and they can just do whatever the fuck they want. Yes. Uh, I think that really makes a big difference in this because she does a lot of crazy shit in this episode that is a hundred percent because it's animated. They can just do it. Uh, she captures Arnim Zola and gets the Tesseract. And After so beating up the big, the big Nazi guy who beats up, uh, Indiana Jones. Yes, it's a hundred percent the same character. It definitely yeah. is. Uh, so they uh, use the Tesseract. Uh, Howard Stark is so profoundly dumb that he has an <laughs> Infinity Stone and he uses it just to power an Iron Man suit. I again, this was. I like it though. I do me. like it. Well, this was something that confused me. I was because like they see, we see the suit and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay, they made like a big you know, Iron Man suit and Steve Rogers is in there. And then later when we find out that the Tesseract is in the suit, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just use it to, I get you power the suit with it, but why, why wouldn't, 
it's why would it be in the suit? Like, well, it's sort of similar to what the Red Skull's plan was. The Red Skull's plan was to use it as a battery. So, like, the premise really is these people are so primitive they can't even begin to understand what the Tesseract is. But All does they this know- mean that Armin Zola is smarter than Howard Stark? Because Armin Zola figured out how to just take the energy of the Tesseract and put it into other things. Howard Stark was like, I'll just stick it into this robot, and there you go. Well, I think that, that there is an interesting sort of American, like, straight-ahead thought process here that Howard Stark represents that, that, that I, that I kind of yeah. like as dumb yeah. as it is, like as dumb, like when you look at Eagle, this is really, you have one of the most powerful objects in the universe and you're going to use it as a battery. But I kind of like that. Like I'm, I'm for that. And that is again, what had been happening in the first Avenger anyway, more or less. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's so, you know, uh, the, the red skull was using it to power his death ray. Well, he was using it to power like all Hydra's guns and tanks and stuff as well. Cause they were all shooting lasers and stuff. Yeah, it's sort of maybe that. I mean, like, I'm not really sure that they it's actually... It's definitely that. We see them testing out the guns and stuff. Uh, well, I guess it is that. Okay. Uh, so, uh, he they, they create this new suit that Steve Rogers gets this mech suit, this Iron Man mech suit that Steve Rogers gets to be in. I don't understand... Um, from like a storytelling perspective, maybe because this is maybe this is problematic, and maybe my thought process is problematic, but from a storytelling perspective, I thought it would make sense that when Steve got shot, that it would have severed his spine... And he would have been wheelchair bound and then get into the mech suit. I mean, if we want to get into this now, he should have been dead. Yeah, no, he should have been dead. But like, like, whatever. like that's the what if maneuver is Steve Rogers is dead. He should have been dead. And that actually is a really good point. Um, the problem is that they want to just keep echoing scenes from the first Avenger. So they had to have the echo of the, of you owe me a dance. Yeah. Uh, and if you kill him early on, you don't get to have that. Yeah. Um, so that's like one of the the problems with the the episode in general. Um, but anyway, he gets to go in this thing. He gets to truly kick a lot of ass. We get a really cool, um, action sequence where they take on, um, some, some airplanes. That was awesome. That was so cool. Uh, they kill the shit out of some guys by throwing them out of airplanes. Really good. It's a big big iron giant moment. When she uses the shield to fly through the propellers of a plane and smash the propellers. I was like, that's fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. That should be in the movies. Yeah, it's it really is, and and which her on his back is like really very Iron Giant, where he's like, "I am a gun." I it reminded me more of uh, Stars and Stripe. It does have that Stars and Stripe vibe, which also yeah. does fit the period. Yeah. Um, but uh, they um, so they're like kicking some ass. Then we have like this montage of like badass scenes of them doing cool stuff. The president's very excited. I don't know why he's that excited. Um, they. Uh, did they? We didn't get to the rescue. Or did we get to the rescue here? No, this, uh, this is when the rescue happens, I believe. Right? So they, yeah. So then they they have to go rescue Bucky, just like they did in the movie. It's it, again, yeah. it's they're just hitting plot points from the movie, but this time it's Sharon, Sharon, uh, Peggy Carter. I'm sorry, uh, as 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 the person doing it. They rescue. Um, it's it goes very easily too when they rescue Bucky. Yeah, it's much easier because they have a giant fucking Iron Man suit and also a truly brutal uh, Captain Carter. And also, Bucky is not being. Uh, uh, experimented on from what we can tell. Right. So, uh, so, um, and we yeah. also get to learn the importance of voice actors. Yeah. So once Sebastian Stan shows up playing Bucky Barnes, he's very bad. And, um, he's bad. There's a couple of things that are about him that are bad. I mean, he's trying to play a different version of Bucky Barnes. So that's like yes. probably part of it. There's like maybe like a little bit of a disconnect for us as the audience. They, We're yeah, trying to go to back 
10 years and be like, okay, this is a, a happy-go-lucky Bucky. What was but also, he just is delivering his lines terribly. He is delivering his lines like he is just speaking lines. I mean, that really is what it feels like. If I can do an impression, my okay. impression of him, and here's his first line in the show. Who are you supposed to be? The Queen of England? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, if you told me that he recorded his dialogue in between shots of Falcon and Winter Soldier, I believe you. I think he probably recorded it in his fucking bedroom in 25 minutes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, th- I think that's probably what it is. Um, he, he is, he is, and voice acting I, is its own skill set. It's, it's a vastly different, st- like, acting style. And maybe he just doesn't have that style in him. You know, I think he's very good in live action. He's just not good in, there's a reason why there are voice actors who get paid a lot of money to be voice actors. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, he just doesn't have that skill set. I mean, he can maybe learn it. I don't know, but he doesn't have it right here. Also, maybe because it's like five lines and they were like, yeah, just be, just belt them out real quick. Five lines. Boom, boom, there's boom. five lines and three of them are about fish. Yes, he talks a lot about fish. Like, I don't know why there's so many fish references in Bucky's dialogue in this episode, but like the third time, I was like, this is like a choice. What, what if all of his lines, he doesn't even know he's in the show, they recorded him during a dinner. <laughs> It's so like, like the, the, what are you supposed to be queen of England? He was saying to somebody who's being fancy with their napkin, you know, <laughs> like, like, that's a, that's a, that's an incredible calamari. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> they were just at a fish dinner. They were at a seafood dinner. And like, if we record them during this, we don't have to pay them. It's the bow finger principle. <laughs> they bow fingered Sebastian Stan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he does. He makes three different fish references, though. In this, I counted them. Um, so uh, they have rescued the Howling Commandos, and all that shit is going on. And then they go um, to uh, to go stop a train. Yeah, that's real unclear. They're just like, we heard that the Red Skull's gonna be on a train. Let's go stop it. And it's like, yeah. So the Red Skull gets ordered to go to Berlin by Adolf Hitler, and he's like, fuck that. And he kills the um, Nazi who was sent to. Um, and he's him. still hanging out in front of the the Tesseract spot. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I guess that there must be information encoded on that that he uses later on. Like, I didn't I quite understand why he has brought that door with him. Yeah, I was real confused. I don't know. Um, so they go to the Alps where Bucky in the first Avenger falls to his doom, his seeming doom. And they have to go um, take a train. Again, it's unclear why. I guess they're trying to find the Red Skull. Um, and uh, there's a scene where Peggy Carter says to Bucky, I guess maybe you're just afraid of trains, which is really a head slapper. Um, yeah. It's one of those like we're very aware that we're in an alternate universe line. Like it really yeah. is like one of those. Um and things seem to be going pretty good because the Hydra Stomper is able to stop the train. But as soon as Steve gets on the train, he realizes it's a trap and it's full of explosives. And um, he is blown up and blown off the side of the mountain. And I thought he would be dead. And I, he probably should have been dead. Yeah. Or he should have turned into the Winter Soldier. Like if you're going to really go beat for beat on this thing, yeah. one, one or the other. Yeah. Um, Peggy's very sad now. She's very, very upset. She interrogates Arnim Zola to get some info, and she discovers that he is going to use the Tesseract to summon an interdimensional monster or, or something. The Hydra's, what is it called? The Hydra's the Avatar or something? Big Boy or whatever? I don't know. Hydra's Big Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why anybody cares about this right now. 
It's Cthulhu. They're going to bring Cthulhu. So the thing is, doing. though, he has this plan to use the Tesseract to do this, but as far as everybody's concerned, the Tesseract's gone. Yes. So I'm not really so sure why they're which, so worried about that. Which, by the way, when they were saying this stuff, they still had not made it clear that the Tesseract was in the suit. I think they made it clear. We saw Howard Stark putting it in the suit. I don't remember seeing him put it in the suit. I have no memory of that. I remember seeing him working on the suit. Working he's the definitely armor. got. He's definitely putting something in the armor. And it's got the blue light, so it's. I think you're supposed to understand it's the Tesseract. I, Considering I this is an episode that treats the audience like they are essentially dumb, I am surprised we didn't see him place it in there. Yeah. Um. But uh, the the episode really does assume that we don't know anything, or that we only know the most broad aspects of the Captain America story. Um, I'm surprised nobody ever says, "What are you, some kind of Iron Man?" <laughs> Got a load of Captain America over here. Uh, but um, <laughs> Hydra Stomper gets his name in the, in the way that I hate things getting their names in um, in movies. He's he's running around and Dum Dum Dugan sees it and he goes, what is that, some kind of Hydra Stomper? Oh, yeah. I'm like, get and the fuck out of here. Yeah. Why don't you just call it the Hydra Stomper? That's it. That's a good, that's yeah. a good name. That's a good or name. It's the a, Iron Man. <laughs> like, I mean, well, Hydra Stomper is a good name. The Hydra Stomper is, is a good name. But it's like... It's You're doing it, all the, the basic beats. Why all yeah. of a sudden be like, we're going to change it up? It's But Hydra Stomper is what you would call the toy. So I think I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. that, that the Hydra Stomper feels like a toy. Yeah. Which is why they named it something yeah. other than Iron Man. Yeah. Um, right. Because they could sell a separate toy. Um, so the thing is, they go find out where uh, where the, the Red Skull's hiding out. It's hanging out in the, the Black Forest. And what they don't know is that he has actually recovered Steve Rogers and the Hydra Stomper and the Tesseract from the bottom of the ravine because he's the only one who can sit thought even thought to go look for him, despite Howard Stark saying again and again and again, the suit's indestructible. <laughs> I mean, that, that's legitimately, that's also madness on some level, right? Like he keeps saying it's indestructible and then they don't bother to go look. Well, it's I great because, because after the explosion and stuff, there's Bradley Whitford who's like, I thought you said it was indestructable. He's like, it is. <laughs> Nobody's it like, is. Well, we go check on it? <laughs> like, Bradley Whitford's amazing because he goes from like taking credit for it, Carter to like hating her again. Uh, he is, he, he's whiplash. His, 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 his loyalty's whiplash from scene to scene. And this episode is not that long. So you really feel it. Um, they go to the castle and it turns out that they, um, they split up when they go to the castle and, uh, they f- discover uh, Steve Rogers hanging in the Hydra Stomper still. Uh, he is chained up. No, no, and he's I'll- on the ground, and the Hydra Stomper is in. Oh, is he already on the ground? Okay. Device, isn't he? I thought that. Was no, I think one. you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, upstairs, though, the Red Skull has the Tesseract, and he is using it to open a portal. And um, so these two, these two groups are going to have to meet. So they are able to use residual power in the suit or for the, in the in the machine that he's in to power the Hydra Stomper for one minute. Yeah. And Steve gets back into the Hydra Stomper and flies up through the castle because he knows that Peggy's in terrible danger because the Red Skull is about to bring a horrible monster into the universe. And in fact, that is what happened. So Peggy and Howard, Howard didn't want to come, but Peggy said, perhaps there'll be a button that you can push because Howard has said that he's not an action guy. He's a button pusher. And sure enough, there is a button he can push. Um, the 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 portal opens and these tentacles come out and the first thing it does is kill the red skull. Yes, um, which is very classic. That's classic. What if? Yeah, it's also a, it's also a remake of his death in the first yeah. Avenger. 
Yeah, that's true. That is, I guess. So. You know what I mean? Like he 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 gets the tesseract and then he falls into the universe. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing, right? Um, so uh, now Peggy has to fight this giant tentacle monster. We don't see them. We see a little bit of the mouth of the thing. But we don't really see much of it. We just mostly see the tentacles. They tell us very quickly that the tentacles are growing at an incredible rate, and in in just a few hours, it will have overtaken all of Europe. Yeah. Um, which feels like something that they read in the script as opposed to the characters discovering, <laughs> which, they said, which they said, which they said and followed up quickly with just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so Peggy ends up grabbing a sword off a wall, a decorative sword off a wall and starts fighting the monster while Howard Stark tries to figure out how to uh, shut down the thing. The problem is he can't shut down the portal while the monster's in it. The monster is holding it open. Yeah. So the Hydra stopper comes in. It like sort of like creates a diversion necessary. And then Peggy fights the monster back into the portal and has her little moment with Steve where she says, Steve says, you still owe me a dance lesson. And then she goes and walks into the portal with the monster and the portal closes behind her. Yeah. And then we cut to the portal opening. And pieces of the monster come flying out, followed by Peggy Carter, and she is in a familiar-looking, really ugly underground base from the first Avengers movie. And there is Colonel Nick Fury and Hawkeye. And uh, she meets them, and she's like, where is everybody? And Nick Fury says, you won the war about 70 years ago. And she's sad that time has passed, but she's happy that they have won the war. And that yep. is the yeah. whole episode. Yep. What'd you think? I think uh, they really should have started with something more exciting. I think, again, the, to me, the beauty of what if is the craziness of it all. And they didn't do anything really crazy. Like, like the craziness of this was like, what if Captain America was a woman? Whoa. Like Steve Rogers should have died right away. And like, like they, when Tony, when Howard Stark gets the Tesseract, like I, I was really like, oh, now they have the Tesseract. We're going to see them screw up. And like really cause a lot of problems because that's the what if maneuver is okay. And then everything, everybody dies, everything explodes and they didn't. And I was like, this is a bummer. This is just a retelling of the story, but you switched the, the genders of, of, of the characters. That's it. Was, you know, I think that unfortunately, I think that unfortunately you're never going to get that on the show. I'm, I'm, who knows? I don't know what they're going to do as time moves forward. I think you'll but. get stuff, but I think you're not going to get the crazy what if thing where everybody dies. I don't. I don't. I don't think we're going to get that. The, the fact that they didn't kill any of these characters really, I think, really hammers at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't yeah. see the the point then. You know, other I mean, than I think, we can make toys. So I know people have seen the first three episodes. They say that episodes two and three are really good. They say this is okay. the this is the weakest of the three. Okay. And it's quite weak. Um, it's not like horrible. I enjoyed watching it, but it's, it's fine. But it was just like, here's a retelling of the movie. But now Captain America is a woman. And I was like, okay, but you didn't do anything with that. Like, nothing. Well, that's the thing. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not particularly imaginative. No. It's just all the exact same beats. It's all the exact same beats. It's just different character. Um, and there's also a giant robot. Then that, that really is the thing. There's, there's, there's no, what the rumor that I've heard, is that every season is going to have an Agent Carter story? Okay. So, like, they're just going to keep following her, her adventures, or or there's going to be an Agent Carter series, animated series, maybe. 
I mean, that could also be a thing they do, right? Yeah. Um, there's a big rumor online. I don't know. Th- I don't know where this is coming from. That the Watcher is going to actually recruit heroes from all of these universes okay. to create like an Exiles like multiverse team to handle some threat in the finale. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. Um, that seems like it's I'm, fundamentally a uh, violation of the character of the Watcher, but who knows? Yeah, but but I mean that is also what the Watcher does in the comics all the time too. So yeah, well he go he the Watcher has the Watcher like what he does usually is like show up and like give somebody a fucking hint. I, I don't mean, think he, he doesn't really Nick Fury it that much. Does doesn't he give Reed Richards the ultimate nullifier? Yes, he does give yeah. Reed Richards, the and he nullifier. fights Galactus. Like he shows up and fights Galactus, and he's like, "Hey, cut it out." Yeah, I mean, that's like, supposed to be a big moment. Like the problem yeah. is that's so early. In the, that's so early in the Marvel universe that it's not a big moment anymore. But it's supposed to be yeah, like a big, like, like wow, this yeah. is so serious that the Watcher is breaking his vow. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Watcher eventually even, gets a reputation as a guy who gets involved. Yeah. yeah. Like I think he gets thrown out of like the Watchers Union or whatever at one point because he gets involved too often. Like, but like even at the end of this episode, he's like, "I I watch. I can never interfere. I can never interact. That's right. what I do." And it's like you're saying that because you're going to do it sooner. Or later. I mean, it does like, have that feeling, right? Yeah. Because um, why even bring it up if as 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 viewers we don't have the understanding <laughs> that he can get involved in these stories. It's the same as how I know when I wake up in the morning if one of my first thoughts is I'm not going to get pizza today. I'm getting pizza that day. <laughs> like, that's just how it works out. You know. Um, I thought the animation is really great. I'm really excited to see what else they can do with the animation. I'm excited to see what they can do moving forward with the animation. This obviously is like a test thing. You know what I mean? Like as they actually throw resources into animation, I think there's a lot of possibility. It's really exciting. A lot of possibility to do stories with characters who they're not going to spend the money on live action or they're actors they don't want to spend live action money on anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can still tell cool stories with them. Um, I do hope that other episodes are more um, imaginative. I, I just like, was just, just – take- take stories from the comics, like do it. This is a great, like I, I tweeted out the other day. I really wish they had done the, the, what if the Hulk went berserk as the first, like as an episode, because that's a great one where the Hulk, you have the Hulk. He's in the, he's in the movies. Everybody knows him. And then he goes berserk and he murders everybody. And it ends with Thor killing him, like breaking Hulk's neck and killing him. And it's like, that's a great way to be like, this is going to be crazy stuff, guys. This is going to be wild. But you know, if it's just going to be, you know, like I know one of them is what if T'Challa became uh, Star Lord? And it's like, okay, I guess, but like, it's not overly exciting. It's just like, you know, there's just not much, like. I have been told that's that um, a really amazing episode. Like, I'm sure it's going to be a good episode, but it's not, you know, I don't know. It's just not as exciting to me as like, what if the Hulk went on a murder rampage? <laughs> Like that's way more fun. Yeah, but I think you're gonna have to let go of the idea of these characters dying all the time because I think it's just not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen on an animated Disney show. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. Um they might kill a couple of characters here or there, but I don't think we're gonna have the wholesale slaughter that we're kind of used to um from the what if comics. Yeah. Um, so I think you should get prepare for that moving forward. That we're not gonna get a lot of that. Okay. <laughs> okay. You sound like a DC fan. You're like a Snyder bro right now. Yeah, that, that I, I want it to be fun. You want to see the murders. opposite of a Snyder You want to see murders. Yeah, that's what What If is all about. That is the point of What If. Uh, as many people have said, as, and I'm sure myself included, the Snyder movies are basically Elseworlds. <laughs> like, that's what those are because they're so dark and hor- horrific. Like, yeah, that's Elseworlds. Right. So, you know, do go for it. Let Snyder go do What If then. Um. 
Well, I think we both agreed this is a disappointing episode. Although I think I might I might like it a little bit better than you, even though I was truly offended by some of the dialogue. Um, I just really I, I I didn't hate it. I was just like, oh, this is bland. You're not you're not really taking full advantage of the concept, and that bummed me out. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, the animation and the action scenes made up for it. The action scenes were absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But God willing, next week we'll maybe they'll 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 start getting their footing maybe you know it's 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 a new um show it's a new concept they're getting their footing we'll see you know what what's happening yeah i mean this i guess this was possibly a proof of concept episode kind of deal like i don't know if if they greenlit the entire season right away or if they were like yeah we'll make this and it can be a special if nothing else like you know how that worked out all right well we'll be back next week to (laughs) I'm telling you, they want to do they want to do a Captain Britain thing and they they think it's going to be too do, confusing. But, you know. Um so uh we'll be back again next week with the next episode of What If. Hopefully they uh, get a little bit uh get their shit together a little bit more. I would think would be what I'm hoping. Um but in the meantime, oh somebody by the way told me that um there's a, a map that has lot has uh latveria on, on it but i don't know if i didn't i didn't look i did not notice that i don't know i mean yeah. i know that we see a map of like eastern europe at one point but I yeah i think i would have heard about that more on twitter if that was true yeah i would think if they had introduced latveria um because i think some of this stuff is canon even if it's like alternate universe stuff do you know what i mean yeah yeah like I, if they I mean, showed Latveria, that would have existed before the spot, the time. Yeah, I know. mean they have the watcher tell us where things diverge. Right. So it seems like, unless at some point that we didn't get to see where Steve Rogers goes and like he's like, we should call this town Latveria, and <laughs> that's how that happens. Uh, we'll be back next week though. Hopefully they get a little bit better, uh, and hopefully we will enjoy it a little bit more. Uh, but anyway. In the meantime, Derek, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. You can find me on Twitter at Devin CF. We also have two other podcasts that we do. One is a weekly podcast called The Bad Batch, where we talk about Star Wars TV shows. We are right now finishing up the first season of the new Star Wars cartoon called The Bad Batch. That's available to $1 and above subscribers at the Patreon, www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. And our other podcast, definitely of interest to you folks listening to Marvel Vision, is called Watchmen. And that's a podcast where once a month we get together and do a deep dive on a superhero movie. We, When there's no new superhero movies coming out, we do old ones. But right now we've had some new movies coming out. So we have done, in the last two episodes, The Suicide Squad. That's our newest episode. And Black Widow. We're going to be doing Shang-Chi in September. Assuming We're assuming it's still coming out. And then in October, should it come out, we're going to be doing... Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. And then again, assuming these movies come out in November, The Eternals, and in December, Spider-Man No Way Home. These are going to be the only place you can hear us talk about these Marvel movies. So if you're a Marvel Vision listener and want to hear us talk about other Marvel movies, it's going to only be at Watchmen. Watchmen is $5 and above. Subscribers at www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. And I don't have a, I don't have a sign-off for this one, for, for what if. What should if I just keep, we see I just you next keep, week? I should there just keep the usual one. Well, no, what if we see you next week? What if you continue being a good person? What if you continue 
living a good life and what if we see you next week uh, I am actually going to uh, stick with the one I had before which well is, then what uh, if you fuck off how about that <laughs> until next time may you be happy may you be healthy may you be safe but most of all may you remain a true believer